Gracias, Vane. Donde está el baño? That is all the Spanish I know, and I just asked where the bathroom was. So, <laughs> uh, that is the extent of my vocabulary. It was so great to have uh, Vanessa and um, Melissa with us on our Mexico mission trip because they were able to speak the native language, so they were actually able to counsel kids um, while the rest of us were serving in support roles and different, different things. It was so neat how God put that team together with those roles and those gifts and abilities and weaknesses to be able to share and work in, the, in Mexico. So I, hopefully you'll sign up and go with us next time. It was a really awesome time. Um, I liked it a lot. Where are my checklist people? Where are my checklist people? People that love checklists. Lists, checklists, okay, there we go. We got a couple. Yes, Lauren, yes, we know. Checklist people making a list, checking it twice, remembering all the things. Man, I love checklist people. They're so organized, such rich routine in their lives. I want to be one of you when I grow up. I do. Uh, checklists are great. I make the list. Um, I try checklists, and I make the list, and then I follow it until life just, like, curb stomps me and destroys everything, and then I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work, and it doesn't seem like it works. Or I follow the list until I start feeling better. I feel a little more in control of my life, and things are going well, and I think, I don't need this list. I don't need to track all these things, and then I throw the list out, and everything goes right back to the way it was. Or I make a list. I see the list. I fear the list, and I avoid the list. Do that one? Yeah. Lists are, are really cool. We all have lists, and the most powerful lists in our lives are the ones that we don't have to look at. The most powerful lists in our lives are the ones that we don't have to look at. These lists are called habits. Habits. Habits are the things that I do without looking at a list, without needing to be reminded. I just do them. I can't stop doing them. They're just, they're habits. They're things that I do. Um, they're ingrained in me, in my muscle memory of my body. I could do many of them blindfolded. Think of putting your car in drive. Think of putting the blink, well, for some of us, putting the blinker on, right? Uh, these, these habits, you know, putting your keys in the same place when you get home. Uh, just things that you do, making a cup of coffee in the morning. How many of you have to think about making a cup of coffee in the morning? You know, my coffee drinkers, do you have to think about it? Really? Oh, that's sad. I could, do, I could do coffee. I'm like a commando, you know, where I could like strip it down, blindfold it, you know, put the coffee maker back together and brew the thing. I could, I could, do, I could do coffee blindfold. It's just this routine thing that I do all the time. I don't have to make a list for these kinds of things. They're just going to happen. I've done them so many times that they become automatic. And this is incredible. This is the incredible power of habits. And we started by asking in this series called Set Me Free, what is freedom? What is freedom? And we said that if we, if we define freedom as anything else, anything other than this thing I'm going through right now, I'm stuck, I'm in a bad place, and I just want it to be anything else, just get me out of here, then we have this danger of running from one cage right into another cage, and getting right into another, another addiction, another problem, or another defect, or character flaw, or issue in our life. You, you run out of one bad relationship right into another. And we all know people that have done this. We all have friends that have done this. It's so easy to get out of one mess and right into another mess. And we learn that freedom means following Jesus. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you continue in my word, 
And this is who he said, what he said to believing people. The Jews believed that he was the Son of God. They believed the right things about him. And then he says, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom comes from knowing the truth. The truth comes from being his disciple indeed. And being his disciple indeed comes from continuing in his word. Having a habit of following and doing the things that Jesus taught to do and said that we need to do. Freedom is following Jesus. But how do we do that? How do we follow Jesus? We do that by training, by training. And so we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today. And in verse 19 it says, For though I be free from all men, this is Paul writing a letter to the church at Corinth, helping them through some of their drama and their situations. And Paul says, for though I be free from all men, I'm free, I can do whatever I want, I don't have to, to do any of this stuff. Though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. I have made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. This reminds me of Troy Palomalo, right? Who knows who Troy Palomalo is? All right, so I picked some reference you guys know. Okay, this is Steeler Country, so I should be good, I figured. <laughs> April 10th, 2015, Palomalo announced his retirement from professional football, citing his family as the main reason, but it was reported that he was fully planning to play in 2015, but the Steelers had forced Palomalo into retirement. You know how old Palomalo is? 38. That is the same age as me. Don't, don't contemplate that too long, okay? <laughs> the guy's retired and, yeah, an entire 20-year career. Four years in high school football, four years in college, 12 years for the NFL, for the one and only Steelers. And when I first moved here, I was forced to watch football because I'm not a sports guy. But I was forced to watch football because everybody watched football and it was Steeler country. So I start watching football and I see this guy with this big hair and just going at it. I mean, just going after people. He was so cool to watch because, you know, the play would go and then, you know, like, like lightning just streaking across there. And then he's, he's just contorting his body and grabbing people. And I'm like, yes, this is awesome. He is free, but he made himself servant to all on his team. I don't know him personally. I don't know what his personal life was like. But on the field, every single play, he put his body on the line to risk injury, to risk pain, to risk whatever happened, to give everything he had for his team and for his teammates. He was all in every play until he physically could no longer do it. I think we saw some of that in the the latter part of his career at the end there. And Paul... He says it like this. He said, I didn't have to be a slave, but I became a slave to all. And then he describes it. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. What does that mean? To become as a Jew would mean to take on all of the dietary restrictions, the clothing restrictions, all of their customs, all of their laws, to fit into that culture so that he could tell them about Jesus. To them that are without the law, as without the law. So he got rid of the clothing. He got rid of the styles that he wore in Jewish clothing. He ate things that he felt uncomfortable eating. To be without the law, to not follow the dietary restrictions. 
to not follow all the regulations that the Jews followed, that I might gain them that are without the law so that he could have a relationship with people who didn't live like, like him or like the Jews and tell them about Christ. To the weak I became as weak. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. All of Paul's decisions revolved around one question. What can I do to tell others about Jesus? What can I do to tell others about Jesus? This is what Paul's life revolved around. And he describes it to us really clear here. The decisions he made about where he worked or the things that he had in his life, they all were filtered through. What can I do to tell other people about Jesus? What can I do to help broken people find hope here would be our version of the question. What can I do to help broken people find hope here in Uniontown, at Calvary Baptist, in this city, at my job, at my school? What can I do to help broken people find hope here? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10.23, this is the ESV version, it's, it's a little clearer. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share and its blessings. That I may share in, in its blessings. How do we help broken people find hope? By helping them find and follow Jesus. And Paul knew that it was these habits in his life, these habits of following Christ, and not only following Christ, but telling other people about Christ that lead to freedom. These habits, these routines that he had built into his daily life and his structure and the way he lived, are the habits that led to freedom in following Christ. It is the habits of following Jesus and leading others to follow Jesus that make freedom consistent and steady. He goes on to say this. And I, I have it in uh, both versions here. I therefore so run, not, so, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, or a little more clearly, because I, I don't want you to wiggle out of this one. In verse 26, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. What does it mean to run aimlessly? It means to just like throw caution to the wind and just run. There's lots of, I love to watch videos on the internet of people doing this and running into stuff. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where they're just like not watching and then they hit like a glass or something or they walk through a thing and I'm just like, ha, ha, yeah, your nose is broke. <laughs> your life is over. No, um, I don't go that, that hard, but that's pretty dark. But we do. We love watching people run aimlessly. But running aimlessly yourself, like I, um, I rolled an ankle out here playing soccer one time because I was running and not watching, and there was a hole in the ground. It just really bad. Running aimlessly is bad, especially the older you get. At uh, almost 39, I don't run much at all anymore, let alone aimlessly. <laughs> He says, he goes on, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He's not just, <laughs> he's not flailing around, freaking out, and just running with no sense of direction. You know what I mean? Just get off of me. Okay? He's got strategy. He has focus. And he says, no. I don't run my life like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. 
I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. That's hardcore. That's awesome. And I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> All in the same bunch. That's intense. That's really intense. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Your body says, this is going to hurt. And the mind and the heart say, shut up and take it. Do it anyways. We glorify this kind of thing in sports. You know? And when we're younger, maybe we work extra hard and blow out our backs trying to prove something. We might do this and work really hard for the glory or for the money. But does this phrase describe your commitment to following Jesus? I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that I can follow Christ. I beat my body into submission so that I will follow Jesus. I was too tired to read my Bible today, you know, or it's so hard to get the kids up or to come to church, or you don't understand my schedule. I've said all those things. <laughs> I've said all that. You don't understand what my schedule's like. I've thought all those things. If you're not interested in the freedom that Jesus offers from the things that are ensnaring you, then by all means, fill your life with whatever preference you want. Whatever floats your boat. Run your life based on your personal preference, whatever feels good. And you want to, if, if you're not interested in the freedom that Christ offers, then you, know, you can kind of turn me off for a little bit, maybe tune me in later if you want. But if you want to be a follower of Christ, if you believe what the Bible says, if you feel like freedom is only found in Christ and you've chosen that you want to follow Christ, then we have to, to confront this. If you have something in your life that's trapping you or that's wrecking your marriage or that's keeping you from being the husband or the wife that you want to be, that's keeping you from being the dad or the mom that you want to be, that's keeping you from serving Jesus like you want to serve. And again, I didn't say like I tell you to serve or someone else has told you to be. If you have something in your life that is keeping you from being the person that you want to be in Christ, then cut it off. Cut it off. This is what Jesus said. If your arm offends you, then cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Now that was hyperbole. It means he was going overboard to make a point. But if you have something in your life that's keeping you from following Christ and from growing in your faith and being the man of God or the woman of God that you really want to be, and you're like, oh, I'm so torn between these tensions in my life and I've got this thing and I've got to work overtime or fill in the blank, like whatever your thing is, are you really going to trade your personal, emotional, and spiritual health for that thing? Because that's the... That's the trade that I'm making when I continue to fight those tensions in my life instead of saying, i got to get rid of this. Listen to the generation before us as they plead with us. Spend time with those kids. Right? Where's my grandparents at? 
We got grandparents in here? How many of you guys would agree with that statement? Spend time with those kids while you can, right? Yeah. Build those relationships. They would say to us, I wasted much of my life not following Jesus. We've seen testimonies of people in this church who have shared, maybe you haven't heard them, but I have. And they said, I don't have a relationship with my son or daughter because I couldn't apologize or be gentle or release control. I just couldn't love them in the grace like God loved me, warts and all. Or I couldn't calm my anxiety, so I passed it on to them. Other testimonies would say, my first marriage imploded because we just couldn't stop being selfish. We just couldn't stop being selfish. Or I lost a lifelong friend because I couldn't stop being a jerk. I couldn't stop gossiping. I couldn't stop lying. I couldn't stop making everything about me. Some of those probably feel familiar to you. <laughs> you know, you're like, whoa, is he reading my diary? No. We all deal with this stuff. And when, we, when I say we all deal with this stuff, I say this stuff haunts us all and comes knocking on our door. But unless we follow Christ, we will not deal with that stuff. That stuff will just deal with us. It will just keep coming back. And it's only in the following of Christ and the striking a blow to your body and making it your slave Letting go of some things that you really, really like so that you can hold on to what is really good in Christ. Cutting some things out of your life. Making room. What do you do? Make room in the schedule and strike a blow to your body. Put some spiritual training routines in place and work it out. Because you're only good at what you practice. You're only good at what you practice. As long as your spirituality and your faith stays on a list it won't be in you it's good to make lists it's good to have a list i want to read my bible i want to pray this many times i want to go through this i want to do that but as long as you have to have a list to remind you of those things it's not in you until it becomes habit until it's automatic and you just wake up and oh i'm reading my bible oh this is happening until your life is structured around serving and generosity doing the things that Jesus actually told us to do, and this just becomes who you are, and you just find yourself serving Christ because it's the habit ingrained in your life that these things are still going to, to haunt you. You're only good at what you practice. So, in the final, final time of our sermon, I want to talk about spiritual disciplines. What does it look like to practice? Troy Palomalu, he would lift weights and do sit-ups, push-ups, all kinds of machines, stuff like that, to get in shape so that he could go out and just sacrifice his body and crush uh, the bad guys, the other team. What do we do as Christians? What are our exercises? These are what are called spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are not meant to be some great fun experience. Spiritual disciplines are meant to grow your spirit, to grow your connection with God, to grow your health, in your relationship with God. What does practice look like? It looks like doing the spiritual disciplines regularly. So first we'll look at the disciplines of abstinence. These are ways of denying ourselves something that we want or need in order to make space to focus on and connect with God. 
denying ourselves something that we want or we need, saying no to ourselves intentionally to create space to focus and connect on God. It's hard to say no to the things that constantly haunt you. That temptation, that sin that you keep giving into, that you want to be set free from, that you're hoping you'll, you'll learn how to get through that through this series, that sin is t- probably too big and too ugly and too ingrained right now. You don't start there. If somebody is new and they come into uh, a, you know, recovery, they don't, they don't start with, with the big stuff. They start with, give me your phone, give me this, we're going to change where you sleep, we're going to change this, you're going to a meeting every single day, you're going to do these five things. They re- just rebuild. They start building other habits. What does this habit got to What do I got to get up and pray in the morning and evening? What's that got to do with drugs? You'll see. You'll see. It's going to take some time, but you'll see. It's the same for us. It's the same for us. These exercises will train you and grow things in you, grow muscles you didn't even know you had. So, first one, solitude. Solitude is just refraining from interacting with other people in order to be alone with God and be found with him. I think in our culture, this means turning off your phone. Turning off your phone, finding a quiet space, a quiet room. Solitude and silence go hand in hand. Silence is not speaking in a quiet place in order to quiet our minds and whole self and attend to God's presence. It's also not speaking so that we can listen to others and bless them. Have you ever gone to a dinner party? Have you ever gone over to your in-laws or family's house and just decided, I'm going to intentionally let other people speak? I'm going to let them talk and just listen. That's hard for some of us. Some of us love talking. Some of us do talking for a living. (laughs) It's hard. But when I do that, then I realize, wow, you know, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. Other people with other things going on in their life. Solitude is, is so important. If I go days without solitude and silence, then I will, I will become disconnected from God in a way that is unhealthy. It will affect my spiritual health, my mental health, and my physical health. Next one is fasting. That's going without food or something else that you really want. For a period of intense prayer, the fast may be a complete fast or a partial fast. So maybe you, you only drink water, maybe you don't eat, eat or drink anything. I don't recommend that. I usually do at least a liquid fast where I'll drink like coffee and tea and water. Um, I like to do intermittent fasting. So several times a week, I'll skip breakfast and lunch and then won't eat till dinner. I'll just eat like one meal a day. And in those times, you know, when my stomach gets hungry around lunchtime, then I have this, this, this moment, okay, am I going to give in and am I going to go raid the kitchen and see what's left over from some event that we had, you know, stale cookies or oh, I'm so hungry or whatever? Am I going to run to Taco Bell, which is dangerously close to the church? Or am I going to just take a deep breath and trust God and trust God and focus on Him? And it's that fasting, that saying no to food gives you so much power and control to say no to other things that you're really struggling to say no to. It's exercising a muscle. 
Sabbath is doing no work to rest in God's person and provision. Praying and playing with God and others. That one's even harder for me. I don't know about you, but it is hard for me to stop working, stop thinking about work. It is hard for me to set aside a day and say, I'm not doing anything because I'm going to get a phone call. Someone's going to want something done. There will be an opportunity for a side gig to make some extra money fixing computers or doing some other thing or someone will want to meet. And that meeting will mean that I'll get to go and counsel them and then I'll feel good, you know. And No, I got to... I need to set aside that time because I've, I've made a Sabbath to God. Secrecy. Secrecy is not just keeping secrets and like not telling anybody. Secrecy is not making our good deeds, our good deeds and our qualities known. It's keeping your mouth shut about that awesome thing you did and not telling anybody. It's doing something amazing and generous and kind and not telling anybody. That one's hard too. Because the second you do something awesome and kind and generous, you want to tell everybody about it. You want to post it on the Facebook and like, <laughs> look how great I am, you know? Well, why would I do that if I don't get to tell people about it? Exactly, right? When we keep it secret, when we buy groceries for somebody and just drop it off and don't tell anybody, or we show up in their life or we buy a coffee for a stranger, but we don't tell our family about it. We just do something generous, something kind, We pray for our enemy. Not making our good deeds or qualities known to let God or others receive attention and to find our sufficiency in God alone. I think of secrecy as saying, look at this, Dad. Look at this, Dad. When your kids are young, they come up to you constantly and grab your hand. They grab your hand. They grab your face. Look at this. 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 It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how good it looks. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how boring it is or how uninteresting, how, or how small it is. The tiniest. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look, I flushed the toilet. You know, like, it's, <laughs> look, 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 look. Look at this, Dad. And I think secrecy, when I do something generous and kind and I don't tell anybody, it's look at this, Dad. Look at this. Do you see me? Do you see this, God? Because he's the only one who sees. Submission is not asserting ourselves in order to come under the authority, wisdom, and power of Jesus Christ as our Lord, King, and Master. This could include submitting to a person as unto Christ. You got that boss, and they're a jerk, and you just fight with them every day, and you decide, I'm going to just submit. I'm just going to go along and do what they ask me to do and not make a mistake. Why would you do that? Because it's going to grow some spiritual muscle that you have severely atrophied. (laughs) And you're going to learn what it looks like to serve. You're going to learn. The next is disciplines of engagement. Disciplines of engagement. These are things that we, we engage in. The last one was things that we deny ourselves or we disconnect from. These are things that we engage in and that we, we turn on. We lean into Bible reading, reading the scripture. Reading the scripture isn't just saying the words out loud on the page and like getting through and checking off your, your uh, reading plan for the day and checking the box, I read the Bible. Reading includes this meditation, thinking about it, thinking about what happened in that passage. What does it mean? Asking questions. These are ways of connecting with God and other people, conversing honestly with them in order to be loved and to love them. 
Bible reading is trusting the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Scripture as our guide, wisdom, and strength for life. Worship is praising God's greatness, goodness, and beauty in words, music, ritual, or silence. It's giving God honor and praise for who He is. And you could do that a variety of ways. I like to play guitar and sing. Some people like to just sit quietly at Ohio Pile and watch the leaves and the river go by and just say, wow, you're awesome, God. You're amazing. Prayer is conversing with God about what we're experiencing and doing together. Prayer isn't just on your knees. Getting on your knees is great. Prayer isn't just saying um, words that someone else said. Prayer is certainly not talking like old English, you know. Dear Father, if you are great, you don't have to speak weird or say any strange language or Christianese. You don't have to have any of that to pray. Prayer for me most of the time looks like schizophrenia. It means me walking around, talking to myself, and including God in the conversation. That's how I prepare sermons. What do you mean by that scripture? What do you say in there, God? I, I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Or, oh, well, what about that? You know, God, I, I don't get it. And just the walking around and talking, you're driving, and you're thinking, how, how can I connect with my kids better? How can I encourage them to follow Christ? Or, God, I'm stressed out. Man, I hate this guy I got to work with, or whatever. Just talking it through, talking it through. What could I do better, God? Having that conversation with God is prayer. Soul friendship is engaging fellow disciples of Jesus in prayerful conversation or other spiritual practices. This happens in small groups all the time. That's one of the reasons I love small groups. Where you connect with other people and you pray together. You talk about Christ. You talk about what God is doing and how to do it and follow Him better. Personal reflection is paying attention to our inner self in order to grow in love for God and others and self. We were just doing that at coffee time this morning, sitting in the back. Someone asked a question and talking about a personal defect. I'm like, well, let's talk about this. We just ripped into it, and we include other people in the conversation. That's what Christians should do. That's, that's what our church should do. We should just, let's, let's reflect. Let's talk about this. What is going on inside of me that... I need to fix so that I can follow Christ or that I need to invite Christ into to fix. What is going on here? And the last one here is service. Humbly serving God by overflowing with His love and compassion to others, especially those in need. There's a lot of disciplines on here. Engaging disciplines and denying disciplines. Disciplines that engage the self and the follow and worship of God and disciplines that deny and say, shut up. When Paul talked about striking a blow to his body, he was talking about fasting. He was talking about saying, I'll go wherever you want to go to the restaurant, you know, and meaning it. And not doing it because you want to, you just don't want to make a decision. <laughs> Maybe some of you guys picking the restaurant would be the, the selfless thing to do. <laughs> but it's, it's leaning in and Reading your Bible, worship, prayer. Spending time in friendship where there's no agenda. Where there's no goal other than to play and to think and to pray. 
to be with God and to serve. Serve not because you, you want to build a relationship so you can get a job or because um, you need something later or you're trying to, to compensate. Serve because this is what Jesus said to do. So, what I want to encourage you to do is to pick a few and make them a real goal for yourself this week. Pick a couple of these, a few of these. I have a whole paper. Um, I don't think it got in the bulletin, but on the counter in the office, I'll make sure I grab them. It's yellow sheet. It has everything I just talked about, including all the definitions. I'll leave them out there at the info center. Grab one on the way out and pick a handful of these. Pick like two of them. Say so this week, I'm going to focus on fasting and prayer. I'm going to work on soul friendship. I'm going to go get lunch with somebody and we're not going to talk about the things that we normally talk about. I'm going to talk about God. I'm going to bring up a scripture. I'm going to ask somebody to read a version plan with me and we're going to talk about it. Or I'm going to serve. I'm going to find a place or a ministry or a team and I'm going to get involved with that so I start serving other people so that my selfishness can be exposed, so that my interpersonal conflicts can be exposed and I can start working on this so that God can change me. Or I'm going to do secrecy. I'm going to do something generous and kind and not tell anybody. Not to, I'm going to write a big for me check and donate it to City Mission or to Center of Hope or, or to Calvary or to wherever or to that family that you know is in need. A big for me check. What's a big for me check? That means a check that feels like big for you. Everybody's big for me check is different. I'm going to write a big for me check and I'm not telling anybody. Maybe that's what you do. There's all kinds of different things, but pick a couple of them and work on them this week. Work on them. And if you don't feel anything while you're doing them except uncomfortable, that's like going to the gym once and then getting sore and be like, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> it's going to happen. You're going to be sore. It's going to be difficult. Just keep doing it until it becomes habit. Because you're only going to be good at what you practice. And if you want freedom in Christ, that means following Christ, which means getting good at following Christ. And we get good at following Christ through the spiritual disciplines. These practices will allow you to follow Jesus consistently. You cannot follow Jesus consistently without using these practices. You can't. You'll have an upside-down, unstable, on-again, off-again relationship with Jesus and freedom unless you put these real practices in your life. So, do it. Not because you're scared, not because you feel guilted into it. Do it because it's going to help you become who you really want to be in Christ. Who you really want to be in Christ. Let's pray. Dear God, many of us here this morning have identified that we want to be followers of you that we want to do what you have said to do, and we're, we're honest that we're not great at it, that we have a long way to go. And we're honest that we, we fail, and we're not, not measuring up to what, what our own heart wants. Not even someone else's ideas or standards, but just what our own hearts want. Sometimes we're not the dad we want to be, or the husband, we're not the wife or the mom that we want to be, and we kick ourselves, and we promise we're not going to do it again. But God, you know that we need 
to train, to practice following you. Or else we're going to do these same things again. So God, I pray for our family this week, our church family, for everyone who's here this morning, for everyone listening online, that they would lean into and pick some spiritual disciplines to work on because they want to grow the muscles that allow them to habitually follow Christ, to habitually think good thoughts, holistic, holy, God-honoring thoughts, to habitually speak the words of life into other people's life, words of encouragement, generosity, kindness, words of the gospel. God, we want to be, we want to be, let that to be automatic in our lives, that generosity and gentleness and kindness, forgiveness, faithfulness, they just ooze out of us because we walk with you all the time and you've just rubbed off on us and transformed us. So God, I pray that we would, we would seriously look at some of these spiritual disciplines this week. We'd make it a goal in our small group and get some accountability around it and say, I'm going to work on this one. I'm going to work on these too. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would show up and bless us as we lean into following you. In Jesus' name, amen.